Say very slowly, uh, and welcome to the Lords. No, it's not Lords of Pain. Wrestling headlines: WWE draft review live at midnight U- UK time, and I think it's seven EST in America. I'm going by Eastern time. Screw the other times. We'll be talking the WWE draft both nights. So smackers for I quickly go through smackers, and then I'll go through one night raw. What happened as well because it tied in to do with that as well just checking my sound definitely on it is on and we will be asking opinions and whatnot and so but what are your thoughts on the WWE draft on there if you're not watching live you can hit me up on Twitter at the damn implicat always have to talk or in the comments or I guess the comments on the Lords of Pain slash wrestling headline site anyway but the big headlines <laughs> going into this draft well the big question did it make sense this year? As I remember to actually introduce myself, my name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, aka The Implications, and uh, we are live here on YouTube and this will be available in podcast form later. And the WWE Draft 2020 has come to a close. The company's yearly attempt to shake up the rosters. Did the draft make sense this year? Mostly yes, but also kind of no. They mostly just drafted storylines over, <laughs> which is a running theme. With this, this triple checking, yeah. So this is a running theme with, uh, I guess, WWE drafts. Where this isn't the first time you'll see somebody drafted in one round and then two rounds later somebody else. And I guess in terms of like overall presentation of the draft, it, I, I've, I'm not a massive fan of this kind of style. I've got Stephanie McMahon next to me, which is she's that way on the image. <laughs> this is not to the podcast. I'm trying to align mirror world, but with Stephanie McMahon just standing there. And going through like five draft picks, and she just says their name, and a graphic comes up, and it's them. It's like, oh, like when I was growing up back in my day, because <laughs> I grew up watching a WWE during the noughties. Not to make a whole bunch of people <laughs> feel old, but uh, I yeah I grew up watching WWE in the noughties, and the WWE draft during that period. I love the kind of Tumblr effect where you would you'd get. It would be like, who's going to revive? Or you do a match and then you'd earn a slot where it was it's a lot less... I, I don't know, I like the formality of this one, but I'm not a massive fan of the presentation. Whilst the other one, the formality was a bit, you're earning slots rather than having them assigned already. So they've over-wrestling what a draft is. <laughs> they didn't call it a draft. It was... Oh, what did they call it? Somebody else. I can't remember who it was. But... Or it might have been draft. I'm just having a brain fart. But in that, they would have the graph... The way they did the graphic was it would have uh, like Raw Smackdown and then it would kind of flash through really, really quickly. Like you've seen it on Twitter where you've got the flashing images of every single wrestler just flashing by really, really quickly. And then it would kind of just go, zoom in to whiteness and then just go like, boom! <laughs> the mic in front of you would be uh, like the name of the brand of the person going there. And it was just as dramatic as I in- <laughs> recreated it right then. <laughs> and I loved that. I was a massive fan of that presentation. And maybe that's just because I was a like early teen at the time when I first encountered that. That was just the style that I really enjoyed. And it's it's what I when I watch this one and I watch Stephanie McMahon just announce them. I don't mind when the graphic comes up. That I'm a fan with, and I'm just I was just thinking, 
is there surely there's a more interesting way to do this? <laughs> That's definitely what Mandas are coming out, reading the names on the card, wabang. It's better than like no graphic, I'll give them that. Like she says the name, you get a big old graphic with their music playing, it's got some stats about them, you see them often next to their new colours and things. And the difference with this one was, it was once again everybody was up for the draft. And they split it into two nights. So night one, half of the roster was able to draft and then you got your you got multiple first round picks in that way. So you get ten people to be first round picks. And it splits roster in half. And you get to do the draft over two shows. It's, 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 I don't know, it's one of those things where I'm not sure if I'm a fan of that or not. It's, I, I, again, I, the draft I'm talking about, if I'm right, it would have only been one Monday Night Raw, and then it's immediately set, and off you pop. Whilst this is over two nights, and I don't know, it feels a little bit weird to split the roster in half, and go, why haven't you drafted them with them? Ah, because they're not in the draft, not in this pool. Like, Andrade and Adriel Garza were on separate nights, in spite of being like in heavy storylines together. And storylines together seem to be a massive thing. They just drafted whole storylines over. <laughs> so, uh, round one picks. So actually, I've changed my mind. I'll go in like round order, just to kind of blast through them. So, round one picks from Smackers, talk about them. Round one picks from Raw, talk about them. And I'll go back and forth like that. So we've got our overall rosters. But, round one pick from Monday Night Raw. And I've not noted down any of the ones on Talking Smack or Raw Talk. I've just got these ones, and I know some people have been drafted, like, uh, <laughs> with Bray Wyatt being drafted over, like, spoilers, with Bray Wyatt being drafted over to Monday Night Raw, and then he appears, he does the awesome imagery with him and Alexa Bliss doing mirrored Sister Abigails, and it looks, it's an amazing image, and immediately as I saw that, I was like, I'm going to try to find a way to put that into my image for the show tonight, <laughs> in the photoshopping of it, and it was an amazing image. But often WWE get criticised for doing moments, I think it's, it might be a Meltzer phrase, where they do moments, not storylines, as in cool moments, cool things that happen, but when you think about it, it doesn't really make sense or really lead to anything. And I just assumed this here with Bray Wyatt and uh, Alexa Bliss, like, oh, they're going to do some form of, fit. like, he gave him an opponent that'll make him look awesome in Andrade, and he got Zelina Vega for Alexa Bliss to fight as well. So... Could that work? Because of course they're not going to do intergender wrestling in WWE, so you need to give Alexa Bliss somebody. It's like, oh, that's quite naturally a duo which technically they'd split up, so it's not supernatural, but it's WWE. This isn't the worst thing in terms of they just get back together again. <laughs> so then they do that amazing shot, dual sister Abigail's, and they say, I just assume they've set something up. No, apparently on Raw Talk, Zelina Vega gets drafted to SmackDown and wasn't setting up anything, <laughs> but it was a cool moment. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I won't rip too much into that. But anyway, so first round drafts for SmackDown. Uh, first overall pick, Drew McIntyre for Monday Night Raw and Roman Reigns for SmackDown. Both brands draft their champions. Uh, same with Raw with Asuka. And then Seth Rollins and The Hurt Business. The Hurt Business, in terms of who do you draft when and when, it's surely just getting a faction. If the faction's in there all together, then you get four guys. It's genius. You will see not genius later, <laughs> as tag team members get drafted separately. Speaking of members of my New Day mug, <laughs> with now there's only two New Day members left together with Biggie gone. I'll get to him in a second. Mm. Yes, that was a sly reason for me to drink some tea. <laughs> and I realised I need to trim my moustache because it's got hairs on it. <laughs> anyway, 
<laughs> that was a sentence that makes no sense. I just realised. I meant to just say when my it's too long and you get I need to trim it. It's irritating me. And I was listening to New Day podcast with Sami Zayn on it uh, the other day, and because I'm I'm a bit behind on it, but yeah, Sami Zayn brought that up and I resonated. <laughs> it's like you know, when you get like kind of just stuff on it, like yes, yeah, I hate that. I need to trim my mustache. I don't like it too long. Anyway, that was a tangent. <laughs> but so first round drafts overall, it, it's one of those where why the champions up for a draft? That was my personal thing. Is I would always have put it as one of the benefits of being champion is you're not in the draft. That's personally what I do. I don't know what anyone else thinks about that. But I don't know if I call that a hot take. <laughs> but that's just how or how I felt they sh- should be. So I find it really weird. Especially, like, not necessarily Intercontinental and United States or maybe even tag team, as in the women's tag team division, where there isn't a isn't one on the opposite brand that we should like it. But as the top champions, like Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, Asuka and Bailey, just yes, leave them off the draft because they're champions. That that is the benefit they get is they get to stay and rule over their world, and it's the other people around them that get mixed about. Because essentially, what you got here, none of them got drafted. <laughs> so, and then the they switched the tag team championships round, which we'll get to later. But the, uh, logic, lo- logic gone. <laughs> but I'll live with it. But it's uh, yeah. Why even put them in there when they're gonna just all of your first round drafts are just gonna be yeah. We're gonna pick our champions, obviously. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I'll, yeah, so that's the one thing, that's immediately the one thing I'd change, like, for next year, is don't put the champions in, because it's, why, what's the point? It doesn't, yeah, have that be a benefit being champion, just they don't get put in the draft pool, because they're the champions of the brands, they're, like, locked in. Uh, well, again, mid-card ones you can make a decision on. But, Seth Rollins and the Hurt Business, so as soon as I saw this, with Seth Rollins, my immediate reaction was, yes, it's, this is evidence and I was expecting maybe they'd do it with the Hurt Business and they did it on Raw, so that was good to see. But, quite often with the WWE draft, they are aware that they've run certain storylines and characters into the ground. <laughs> facing the same opponent again and again. So, quite often they'll use this draft to kind of put a barrier in front of themselves. Making sure there is no possibility that they could possibly book the match again by putting them on a different show. 2019 broke that with the wildcard rule and all of that nonsense with that summer there. I, I stopped watching and just tuned into Japan for a month, for a summer. And a gl- lovely summer. <laughs> I discovered this outside thing. It's quite nice. Uh, well, as nice as it can be over here in the UK. <laughs> but the... Uh, but yeah, with, but with drafting over an entire storyline. <laughs> so they drafted over Seth Rollins. I thought, oh, that's quite smart. Bring him to a completely new area, and we just have to face the same opponents again. And then, like, two rounds later, they draft his storyline over. <laughs> just Dominic and Ray come over. Later, the draft Buddy Murphy comes over. So it's just like, oh, they've drafted his entire storyline. And it happened on Raw as well, with Kevin Owens and Alistair Black. Well, I know I'm jumping all over the draft, but I'll get to it more formally, because I'm going to jump over to Raw after I've done this one. But, yeah, it's like, why? They're drafting over an entire storyline. And it seems to be, like, stuff that, Seemingly is working and it's going over to Fridays. Uh, I guess the only side, kind of thing of relief, like the biggest sigh of relief I had was I saw Lars Sullivan come on Raw and attack Miz and Martin, and I'm like, oh no, am I going to have to talk about Lars Sullivan? And then he gets drafted to SmackDown. <laughs> so immediately I'm like, wait, why? Why is he on Raw then? 
What's the reasoning? Because oh, what if people didn't see SmackDown and don't remember who he is? Don't don't know that he's back. Uh, so you have him slam somebody on Raw to do that so that he can then draft him? I guess I mean, it's one of those where it makes sense in informing your... Trying to make sure you've informed your audience in terms of show, show structure in terms of making sure they're following the story because you're not entirely sure who's been checking into SmackDown or not. Personally, I, I don't know. That. I, was gonna, I was about to say... If you work with the idea that people aren't watching your show, so you're constantly recapping and reintroducing stuff, but technically Raw and SmackDown are separate shows. <laughs> so I can't really use that criticism. It's, it's the issue of kind of having flowing storylines between two different shows, where you kind of have to just reintroduce stuff and reintroduce characters just, just to make sure people are definitely following. Like, Walking Dead did that, if I might. Not Walking Dead. Uh, su- the superhero one on CW. Just all of those... I say the superhero one. I mean, their conglomerate of <laughs> thing. <laughs> and uh, I swear they've done that in the... I don't watch those anymore, but I remember them doing it. <laughs> anyway, my point was, <laughs> drafting over entire storylines. I know I wasn't on that. I've drifted over. But I kind of just... I'm ready for the... I'm ready for the breath of fresh air that's going to be Seth Rollins versus other people. And I got that massive feeling watching Monday Night Raw when he was in a triple threat and he faced other people... And then I'm reminded, they've just drafted his storyline over, so it's just for a night. <laughs> it's right back into the exact same storyline we've been watching for months and months. It's like, oh, oh. A bit of a bit of a shame. And I guess Kevin knows Alistair Black. It's slowly building, but it's also it's slowly building with a bit of a damn squib in a way. Like the storyline for me, because I've not seen a lot of people kind of take it this way. For me, it's not been Alistair Black continues to lose their voice crap. For me, it's Alistair Black continues to lose because he can't control his anger. The, ang- the anger has consumed him, and that's costing him losses. He might be winning the brawls within the match, but he's losing the matches overall because that anger is costing him his concentration. And that's kind of being reiterated a little bit step by step with the matches and how he's losing. Um, but that I wouldn't say I'm excited for the matches every time they come out. And it's Kevin Owens versus Alistair Black. I should be nerding out over that. <laughs> and they're giving them no DQ matches and genuinely letting them have a decent go of it. But I just don't care. I, just, I don't know why. When that sucks where it's these two people, but I just don't care. Uh, it's not their fault. It's just something's been off about the entire thing. If like from the beginning, the entire feud's just been a little bit off. Like, I've always seen Kevin Owens as the main event guy, so him being slightly lower. I thought, oh, he could elevate Alistair Black, but he's not really been elevating Alistair Black. And I guess part of the reason is Kevin Owens himself kind of needed re-elevating, because he just fell off a cliff after WrestleMania. And part of that is COVID, totally understand the whole world. But when he got brought back, they didn't really have anything for him, and he just did things. And yes, he was featured near main events, but he had no storyline. He was just about, just floating around. And of course, he stock falls whilst he's doing that. So, yeah. And finally, the Hurt Business. The Hurt Business, again, I'm a massive fan of them and I guess can, can, continuing to see them on Raw and then Raw drafted Retribution, where I know drafting a group like Retribution makes no sense, but everyone is a, everyone's a brand that gets drafted. <laughs> so, yeah, if you look at it a bit more simply and don't try and take world logic or kayfabe into it. <laughs> but, yeah, the Hurt Business, one of my favourite groups and seeing them continue on Raw... It is great, and I yeah, I'm a massive fan of them. I just want to see them grow, just see them become one of the best stables in WWE. That's uh, that's my hope. There's one more sip of my new day tea. Ooh, lukewarm. Get in. Mmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Lovely to. I'm going to swap them around so I don't accidentally drink cold tea later. So that's my final tribute to the new date. Oh, so they've gone. Uh, so round one on Monday Night Raw to continue with the topics. Uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt was number one overall on the Monday Night Raw night, which is arguably the biggest draft of the night. The biggest switch over in terms of, uh, I guess, the feeling and aura around both shows. The Fiend is a massive presence, so having him shift shows is a big deal. And I get to cover him. I've missed <laughs> not covering him because I don't. I'm not able to do SmackDown, so I've genuinely missed the I've missed the Fiend. So it's great to have him back, essentially. And yeah, there's not really. I don't really know what he's going to do, but if his storyline with Alexa Bliss continues, that I'm I'm a fan of that. So yeah, keep that going. And uh, next up was Bailey, the SmackDown winning champion, drafted the SmackDown again. Champions in the draft. Why not just don't put them in the draft? <laughs> it creates a whole heap of problems. Uh, Monday Night Raw, Randy Orton. Again, he's got his feud with uh, Drew McIntyre to play out and a potential feud with the fiend Bray Wyatt, which is Randy Orton is one of the characters that Bray Wyatt hasn't been able to avenge, hasn't been able to kind of sew that, uh, sew that back together. Yeah, because my my initial review or my initial kind of way I would phrase the fiend last year was the Humpty Dumpty demon putting to WWE's characters back together again, uh, and one of the people he's not been able to sew back together has been Randy Orton, and by sew back together I mean get vengeance for defeating him at WrestleMania, as <laughs> inviting the wrongs of the former Bray Wyatt and avenging all of those past problems. Uh, Randy Orton's one of the big ones that stand out that's left. And with his amazing character work, and The Fiend really hangs on amazing character work because the matches themselves are mostly fine, but the road to them I absolutely love. And that's what... that's what Randy Orton and The Fiend. If Randy Orton stays on this level, because normally Randy Orton has an amazing year and then a, a one the next year before having another amazing one. So it's like on and off in terms of amazing output. And this year has been fantastic output. Uh, from Edge to Drew McIntyre, just... Absolutely top-notch stuff from Randy Orton. And uh, even though I, I'm not... I'm, I'm done with their feast feud with Drew McIntyre. Like, I'm done with it. And this draft finally gave Drew McIntyre main eventers to face. But it's still... Uh, I'm drifting away. I'm praising it. Yeah, The Fiend versus Orton. That's my go-to for The Fiend. As soon as Orton is done with Drew McIntyre, do that. And although, my worry is The Fiend interferes in Hell in a Cell and costs him the match. Because like there hasn't been a main event in Hell in a Cell that just ended normally <laughs> in how many years? <laughs> so just have Drew beat Orton. Like, like a kind of epilogue to the ambulance match, which should have been the final one, but they had one more pay-per-view to get through. I mean, and he had no opponents, Drew, so I guess, yeah. But you, you do that. You have Drew McIntyre to soundly beat him. He wins the feud. And then you can just set it up afterwards. Because it's already there. I was meant to be drifting over to Bailey. I oh, know I did Randy Orton, didn't I? <laughs> That's why I was back, back over. A SmackDown then drafted the Street Profits, which means it's time to talk about it. So, uh, on Friday Night SmackDown, the New Day was split with Big E staying over on Smackers and Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods going to Raw. I'll talk about that in a bit more detail when I get to them. Get to that specific draft. But, with... Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston, they are the SmackDown Tag Team Champions and they're on Raw. Normally, in the past, this has happened. What happens? The champions drop the titles. End off, make it nice and simple. Uh, but what they've done is they've also drafted the other champions. So, assumably, this starts 
with them wanting to split the New Day, they want Big E, and they also want to move over the Street Profits. The issue is they are both champions. So what do you do? Do you have them both lose? Well, you can't have them both lose because that'll be a bit crap. <laughs> or do you just have them hold the different belt on the other show? That would also be really weird. So also, this is not booking in advance. This is, this is one of the things that pops up when you don't kind of write in advance and plan things out. If this is planned out and they knew they're going to be doing this all along, you can write it in, you can make it, they can naturally just drop the titles. And then, they get, then you can have Street Profits chasing when they go to SmackDown. But, and I guess ditto for the New Day when they go over. But you write it in because you know that's where you're going. It's not a sudden, oh crap, we've hit this situation, we're in a bit of a pickle here, what do we do? And of course, that's, but that's not how they write. So that means when you, you, they don't know this is coming on the horizon, then they, random, then they suddenly decide it, say, ah, but we've got this massive hurdle, what do we do? And that's when you get illogical <laughs> things like this. And my favourite thing, was Adam Pearce is there with the New Day and with the Street Profits, and it's like, well, now the Raw Tag Team Champions are on SmackDown, and the SmackDown Tag Team Champions on Raw, and I think you can agree that the only, that the logical thing to do here is to just swap the titles. Just swap them. And my favourite thing about the entire segment is, is Javier Woods just laughs. It's like, yeah, that's the logical thing. <laughs> it's just, it's clearly not. <laughs> it's, just, and it's one of those which makes... It makes sense on a surface level if you don't really care about your titles. As in, if it's that simple just to swap them. It's like, well, our show's red and your belts are blue and that's just weird, so could you just swap them? <laughs> it's just, I mean, an imme immediate thing I saw on Twitter was like, well, how, well good luck tracking the lineage then, because just swap the titles. Because <laughs> who cares, right? <laughs> just swap them. Um, yeah. It's one of, again, it's an issue that pops up by not booking long term or at least not planning things long term not knowing you're going to be drafting your champions to a different show so in advance you don't write them to lose the titles or to at least give them a reign which feels like it could come to an end or you tease it or you build to it because you know you're doing it and because that's the benefit of knowing you're going somewhere is you can tease it you can hint that you're going to a place and but if you don't know you're doing that you just uh, yeah, so that's my take on Street Profits New Day. Does it make sense? Not. It... <laughs> it's it's a it's a fix that makes sense when you're cornered. It makes a bit more sense to know you're going to do it in advance and try and find avenues out before you've reached the turning point. <laughs> As in, before you reach the T junction, you slow down and you decide which way you're going to turn. Instead of you know on it, <laughs> you don't know which way you're going to go and you're panicking as you. Uh, I was about to say, if you don't even, if you've not got the brakes on, you're just going even further into the T-junction. You're going to have to turn at some point and you're just going into that wall. <laughs> but nope. Uh, it's a sharp turn, a sudden decision. Yeah. I'm not really sure that metaphor worked. <laughs> point being, I started saying they were cornered, they were at the T-junction. That's the opposite of, a, that's two corners. <laughs> there's, a, there's another way out to your side. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> to kind of wrap that back up, because I did a metaphor that didn't work. It's a fix that makes sense surface level, but that's the best you can... When they've cornered themselves like this. And they had the fix on the show. Partly on the fix. Because, again, the Street Profits had to be done in advance. Purely because of the thing. And they've got... Champ the only fix is they both dropped the titles. And I think they did this in a previous year, and it didn't go down amazingly well. Just to have them both drop them, because you know 
which brand the teams are on so you know before the match starts who's winning. And that can always be a bit... Uh, and that was what... This this match here was the same. That they drafted Rude and Ziggler before the match with Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Therefore, you knew that the team that had just been drafted to SmackDown weren't going to win the championships. So just, just announce them afterwards. <laughs> is, is it really that difficult? <laughs> just change the order of the show a little bit. So their reveal in the draft is not before the tag team match. Just a little, you know, just to add a bit of like tension, just something. Then they get drafted afterwards after they lose. Because uh, they don't know who's going to win. But that might be in your fix as well, is they stay champions, get drafted, and then Rude and Ziggler go over as champions, and you get Street Profits to chase. But again, Street Profits, you need to know it in advance, because Street Profits need to drop the titles, and for me, this is proof they didn't know it in advance. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. So fix that. I am, I'm fine with it, because I'm so, much, so much bigger things don't make sense. I can laugh at this one. This is not a world-destroying one for me. It's a lineage-breaking one. <laughs> it doesn't try to follow the titles in the future. But... There's so many bigger things to address that them trying to find a panic fix after they've got themselves into the corner. Well, the panic, the, the thing for me to be more concerned with is they got there in the first place. They got into that corner. Well, how do you stop that from happening? That'll be the thing I'd probably address, <laughs> but it won't be. They'll stick with the bucket on the fly and this, you end up with problems like that. Uh, Raw then drafted Charlotte Flair. That's the end of round one. I've, I need to go through these a lot quicker. <laughs> but yes, yeah, Charlotte Flair... Was the final draft in. There's not a lot to say, but she is currently out injured. When she comes back, she'd be a massive boost to Monday Night Raw. They really need it with so many of their stars out, even after this draft. Don't particularly feel like there was a massive, massive thing, really. Uh, there was the main event later with the Battle Royale. But yeah. Anyway, rattling on onto round two. Charlotte Flair, a, a big thing, for, a big draft for later. And they, they keep her stock up there by putting her as the final pick of the first round of the draft. I could have worded that a lot more fluently. So round two picks from Final X Smackdown. AJ Styles to Raw, Sasha Banks to Smackdown, Naomi to Raw, Bianca Belair to Smackdown and Nia Jackson's Taylor Baszler, the women's tag team champions to Raw. First off, AJ Styles is a massive boost in Monday Night Raw. Cedric McIntyre needed fresh opponents. AJ Styles. You got me excited. <laughs> Give me AJ Styles versus Drew McIntyre. Thank you. His match with Jeff Hardy and Seth Rollins was fantastic. In Seth Rollins' final goodbye, it was like three veterans really just playing to their absolute strengths, and it was such a fun match. Uh, a lot like AJ Styles, uh, well, you take out Seth Rollins, put Sami Zayn in there from that triple threat from Clash of Champions, which felt very similar, that ladder match. And have they had matches on SmackDown as well? But it was, it feels like three vets who really know what they're doing, and it's awesome to watch. Uh, Sasha Banks for SmackDown, Got to stay there with Bailey. Continue that feud going. So she's not going anywhere. Uh, there was... I did see the idea floated around of Sasha Banks getting drafted to Raw. You keep them fully separate. Then she wins the Royal Rumble. Ah, but you're doing this booking ahead thing. <laughs> you got to think... That's the... I've, I've done that with WWE before. Uh, like with uh, Retribution, I was having a chat with some of the columnists on Laws of um, Vesting Headlines. And I'm going to stop saying Laws of Pain eventually. <laughs> but I was having a, a chat with some of the other columnists. And it was just... The laugh of, oh, yeah, sometimes I do forget that, I do forget that they're not planning ahead. I Sometimes I accidentally assume that there is a plan. <laughs> it's like, oh, crap, yeah. But that's on Retribution, that's not account for the actual show. Maybe they've got an entire storyline for Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Don't get that impression. 
Sometimes I get the impression that they their end when I say they've got an end game. By that I mean they know they want to do the match, and they've got a pay per view they kind of want to do it on, but they've got absolutely no beats in between, and they just they just kind of float through them. And quite often that's how you get sick of a feud. It's because they've not planned out any beats. It's not building to the next thing. You've got your starting point, you've got your wanted end point, but nothing in between. Uh, and obviously that creates problems sometimes. Drew McIntyre and Andy Orton flipping nailed it until this latest one, but they, they went on for months. <laughs> so I'm fine with that. Uh, Naomi to Raw, I guess, because uh, she was so early in the draft, I assumed she was going to get a big push, and then she's not on Raw. So what's up with that? Oh, was that a Gregory Helms thing? What's up with that? <laughs> I swear Gregory Helms did that like a decade ago, just on SmackDown. His head would pop up on SmackDown. you just go, what's up with that? I can't even remember what, what... He'd do a little comedy bit and then just go away. That was a gimmick that died. <laughs> Fast. <laughs> uh, anyway. You see, Naomi, uh, early draft, so I'm assuming they've got big plans for her. But because she wasn't featured, I don't really know. Yeah, followed by Bianca Belair to SmackDown... And she's had those amazing video packages, uh, only to be put in the Battle Royal on Raw and get eliminated, not be in the final lot. Uh, I guess they did the dual brand thing, assuming to pad out the numbers in the Battle Royal. So there was only still like 13 people in there with the other brand. And then, which also tells you how stacked NXT is as well. <laughs> it is how strong their Battle Royal was. And I watched the main roster one as, feels a little bit weak, this Battle Royal. Well, the uh, NXT one felt stacked and amazing how stacked the NXT uh, the women's division is. Look at the main roster. Why do I feel like the main roster one's bare? <laughs> As I'm waiting, surely there'd be more bigger names, but uh, I guess they lost quite a few or put their stock in only a few apples rather than a whole bunch. So when those apples leave, that's a metaphor. That's <laughs> They're immediately alive apples that can walk away. But yeah, when they leave, then... Well, what you kind of left with a bit of a barren division. That's what Raw is. Or like, and they got the massive inconvenience of Charlotte Flair being out as well. So she would be your biggest star on Raw. But she's out. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, but Bianca Belair, amazing video packages. Then turns off in Battle Royal, gets eliminated relatively easily. But that's more down to, I guess, the booking of the Battle Royal. She was booked to last a while. Uh, but yeah, how did he follow through on SmackDown? They gave her really strong video packages. But it's that same thing again. Is there a plan? Because that, that's the that's my big criticism for WWE. I can get hyped. I can praise the video packages and say they were good. But do you actually have a plan? As in, when she debuts on the show, what are you going to do? <laughs> do you do you have a trajectory? Do you know what you want to aim at uh, overall? Rather than... Well, like, other than we want her to be do good. Yeah, but how? <laughs> how do you want her to get to that point? Um, that's my worry. My worry is there isn't a plan as she gets lost in the shuffle in spite of the video packages being great. Yeah, and Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, tag team champions, keep them on Raw, keep them what they're doing. There aren't really any women's tag teams on SmackDown, so kind of makes sense to just keep them on Raw. Uh, and the, bar the, the vision's pretty barren as it is, and then they split up Lana versus Natalia, so it's them versus Riot Squad, or it's them versus Rose and Dana Brooke. That's it. <laughs> there are no other teams. Because they split them all up. And Billy Kay apparently on... I think it was on Raw Talk. She got drafted over to SmackDown. So that's definitely the Iconics dead. Like, definitely. Definitely done. Uh, there's no tag teams. <laughs> there's two. Two tag teams for them to face. That division's going to get dry fast. Like, the SmackDown men's tag team, to be fair, isn't much better. 
Anyway, uh, let's go on down to what the second round was on this Monday Night Raw. Uh, Steph was back to give us the round two drafts of Braun Strowman to Raw. Pretty heavily foreshadowed with him practically already on the show. Uh, Smackdown drafted Daniel Bryan. Again, uh, a strong hand for the division. Makes sense to keep him. Raw drafts Matt Riddle. A shake-up in the mid-card. Smackdown drafts Kevin Owens. Ah, so I've hinted at this earlier. They just drafted his storyline over. And Raw got Jeff Hardy. And they got two-thirds of the really strong intercontinental scene drafted over. And... That's one thing I'm interested in. What will the Sami Zayn division be like with that Intercontinental Championship? Immediate thought you put in Kevin Owens and Alistair Black. So you have Kevin Owens feud with him, but then Alistair Black's also going after Kevin Owens. You have a bit of a thing there. That was my immediate thought. Or you give Humberto Cavillo a proper dickhead. <laughs> Not a like evil, evil messiah. It's like, no, he's, he's just a bit of a prick. <laughs> have Humberto learn from another vet against Sami Zayn. Yeah, that's... Uh, just wrestle someone that's not Seth Rollins. <laughs> Give Seth Rollins someone else to face. That's all I ask. Uh, that'd, that'd be nice. Uh, that'd be pretty nice. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Hardy uh, going over to Roy is a nice little mid-card mix-up as well. You could put Matt Riddle into that bracket. I can't remember what's happening on Monday Night Raw. Oh, sorry, on Final Night Oh, he's got a tag match with Lars Sullivan, hasn't he? Facing somebody. So immediately the internet is... Fan of that one. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but yeah, Braun Strowman's Raw is practically on the show. Daniel Bryan, this makes sense to keep him over there. Uh, Matt Riddle to shake up the mid-card. Uh, Kevin Owens to smack down. Seemingly to do something with Sami Zayn. And the Jeff Dallas to Black as well to continue the storyline going. And then Jeff Hardy to shake up the division. Uh, as, we, as we go down, there's lots to say about the first lot. And then as we go down, it's just less and less to say. So round three, Ricochet drafted to Monday Night Raw. And I enjoyed his stuff at the Hurt Business this week, where uh, he steps up to them. Actually, I've got the transcript, if I can bloody find it. Where are you, Richard? Richard! Where are you, Richard? In my notes. Uh, that's Stephanie McMahon. I can find this. I can bloody find this. Oh, this is taking way too long. <laughs> this is way too long. It's meant to be a quick little thing. Here we go. The Hurt Business were backstage, all suave in their suits, when Ricochet walked up. And he says like, he's here for one last match. He says it makes sense to end the feud between them with the possibility of Apollo being drafted. Like, why would it make sense for him to keep standing up to them? And I feel like that line was dra- dropped. It's like, oh, is, could he act- is, it, is this out of fear of what if he gets drafted? And it's like, oh, no, it's a proper setup because they have des- decided to draft Cruz. <laughs> so what do you do when the last man standing against the Hurt Business is Ricochet? Like, what do you do? And... Yeah, he, he's up for one last match. So why would it make sense for him to keep standing up to them and vice versa? Surely it makes no sense for the Hurt Business to keep going after him. So Richard offers a proposition. Him versus any member of the Hurt Business. He wins, they leave him alone. He loses, then he joins them. Uh, Cedric gladly stepped up and took on the challenge and that led to the match later. Where, I guess, the ending has got a lot of people talking. Where, like, after a Falcon Arrow, the from Cedric Alexander to Ricochet, the ref was accidentally caught. Porter noticed what it could happen and slid in a chair for Cedric Alexander to use. But Ricochet was between them and stopped it on the floor before kind of thinking up a plan and slamming the chair hard into the mat before throwing the chair to Cedric and dramatically falling. A uh, massive fan of that, so just... 
oh, <laughs> just collapsing. Uh, it, was, it was the fluidity as well, like bang, oh, <laughs> and the collapse. Just the over dramatization of it all. <laughs> it's just, yeah, I was a fan of that. Uh, doesn't fit his character at all, but doesn't matter. It's the, uh, they don't really do characters that make sense. They do people doing moments. <laughs> and that's what that was. Uh, Ricochet, just with a dramatic fall. Uh, he's never been somebody to do that before, but uh, it's the thing that sometimes gets a pop and does stuff. Uh, anyway, I was a fan of that. I enjoyed it. And if, he, if we're going to get that level of sass with him against the Hurt Business, because like, like the referee gets back up, then calls for DQ, as the Hurt Business are irate, but per the stipulation, they can't go after Ricochet. But you can damn sure bet they're going to want to. So surely this is continuing. <laughs> but they put the stipulation in there to give the match stakes. Ah, but they, oh, but they, you know, they did the thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, rest of round three. Uh, Jey Uso to SmackDown, got to continue his feud with Roman Reigns. Mandy Rose to Raw. So for the key-eyed listener, key-eyed listener? <laughs> key, oh, that's not happened yet, I just realised. I was about to say, oh, no, actually, no, it's good enough. Mandy Rose to Raw. Dana Brooke's not been drafted yet, but they drafted Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke separately. Why <laughs> did they draft Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke separately? Just, like, if they're thinking, oh, we've, we're one draft shy, just nick one of the ones from Talking Smack. <laughs> just pop it, pop it on the last round. Like, your final pick was Kalisto. I'm perfectly fine with that being on the separate draft, on the uh, Talking Smack. So, yeah. Anyway, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, for some reason, drafted separately in subsequent rounds. I guess the other thing is they've put a big push on trying to have at least, like, one female in every round, apart from, I guess, the last one on here. I don't know if that's true or not, <laughs> actually. Can't really properly check, because in most rounds it is. Anyway, so I think the last round is the only one without a uh, female athlete in it. But, yeah, so they split them up maybe because of that? That's, that's all I can think of. So there isn't really much more logic to it. <laughs> but yeah, for some reason, Mandy Rose and Book drafted separately. Smackdown then drafted Dominic and Rey Mysterio. Uh, Got to continue just with that storyline again. Rey Mysterio is always a Smackdown guy, so for me it fits to have his son be in that same vein and he can build him up slowly throughout the card. Uh, the worry is he still he just does the Seth Rollins storyline and don't go anywhere. <laughs> just, uh, please, just, you know... Something else. Uh, and then Raw got Miz and Morrison and they were heavily featured on the show itself with the Miz TV angle. And that was a... Yeah, that led into both Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke brawling with... Was it the tag champ? No, it was Lana and Natalia to set up a match for later. And then Lars Sullivan came out, beat them up, wasn't drafted to the show anyway. So, <laughs> back where he goes. Uh, yeah. guess I'm perfectly fine. With those the picks I'd get less and less to say. Round three for Raw. Uh, so on the Monday Night Raw. Raw Retribution, first off. And no, logically, why would you ever draft a group that is dead set on destroying your company? Doesn't make sense in that way, but they're just drafting the brands and characters, you know. So <laughs> it's not that not that in-depth, the thought behind it. SmackDown gets Lars Sullivan as I take a sigh of relief in not having to cover him. Uh, Raw gets Keith Lee. Oh, what a what an upgrade! <laughs> SmackDown gets King Corbin. Uh, another cyberly. Oh, don't have to cover you. And Raw gets Alexa Bliss. Got to keep that fiend thing going. And this this is where it really hit me. They really are just drafting storylines here. <laughs> it's just one after the other. I've got to make sure that that person's with that one so we can continue that storyline. 
And uh, yeah, it's what it felt like. You get one half of it, then later you get the other. Uh, so whilst the commentators react like it's an organic, oh, what an awesome draft pick. Oh, that's an uh, interesting story. So yeah. Anyway, round four from, Smack to- from SmackDown. This was one that got quite a few people talking, and me sad. Uh, Raw got the SmackDown champions in Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. Then SmackDown immediately drafted Big E, and they did that for the massive reaction, seeing the New Day in the ring. So first off, using your logic brain, this makes USA look incredibly stupid, because for some reason they only draft Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. So looking at the USA side, why would they do that? (laughs) <laughs> Why would they not draft Big E? Again, just draft the New Day. They all come together. <laughs> Why would you not do that? It makes no sense. But also, it's one of those that makes sense if you don't think about it. <laughs> As in, fuck, they wanted to have Big E go on his solo run. That's what this draft is. And that's kind of the mess you want to take from it. Is Big E is here to go on his big singles run. And this is how they're splitting them up. Without, without, they didn't want to do a fallout, they didn't want to do a big breakup angle, instead they just split them over. Of course, it doesn't make any sense, because then USA looked like idiots for not drafting Big E. It's like, oh, why didn't we put him in as well? Oh, and we drafted Mandy Rosendale and Brooks separately? Oh, what's wrong with us? <laughs> and it's one of those where, yeah, when you think about it, yeah, why would they not just draft the New Day and get all three of them? Like, if you want to push Big E, surely USA would be like, yeah, we want to push Big E. But in terms of what the company wants to do, this is how they're splitting them up. Again, it's something which doesn't make... It makes sense as long as you don't think about it. It's just, yeah, they, they want Big E on SmackDown. Didn't really come up with an in-universe way that totally makes sense, but that's what they want to do. So again, I'm not... Ang- I'm not I'm not like, oh, it's frustrating, that makes no sense. For me, it's more... Uh, eh, it doesn't make sense when you think about it, but you know what they're trying to do. And they did, they did not come up with a, satisfi- a satisfactory way that made sense. But again, if you're watching WWE hoping for it to make sense, that's not going to happen because, they, they, again, when you're writing week to week, you don't plan anything out in advance. You don't know where anything's going. You're going to stumble on your toes a bit. Uh, that's kind of what they did here. But they got they got there in the end. They didn't fall over. Like they got, You got the drama for Big E. You got Kofi and Woods angry because they're saying it doesn't make sense. But that would that makes sense that they would say it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, then Dana Brooke, so Smart USA again drafts a tag team separately. <laughs> uh, SmackDown only draft Otis, and Heavy Machinery split up. Otis has the briefcase. Are they going to do anything with him? I legitimately keep forgetting he's got it. And Raw draft Angel Garza, which is interesting because on the Raw draft, they did not draft Andrade, and as far as I know, he is still a free agent. He doesn't have a home. To NXT? I don't know. It's, yes, that's an odd one. But, Adrian Garza's a massive star, and he got the win against Andrade on this show. So, yeah. Anyway, there's not much more to go, so let's go to round three from Monday Night Raw. Sorry, round four from Monday Night Raw. First off, Elias. At least they didn't leave that one hanging, where just before, in the fantastic triple threat between Hardy, Rollins, and Styles, uh, right at the end... There's so much chaos with, like, one guy would hit, uh, one guy would, like, get, look like they were setting up to go for the end. Like, when AJ had Hardy ready for the Styles Clash, Seth Rollins flew in with a flying knee to swing the momentum back to him, leading to Jeff's turn with Rollins running in for the curb stomp 
Hardy popped up off AJ and spun Seth around with a spinning DDT. Then Jeff went for the Swanton Bomb, but AJ then pushed him away, tried to steal the pin to no avail with Jeff breaking it up. Then Hardy nails the twist of fate, but Elias comes in with a guitar to the back. He returns, and AJ steals the pin this time, with Elias posing on the ramp, holding up the remnants of his guitar, and he's back. <laughs> After a really fun match well, with those three vets with that damn solid outing, Elias is back, gets his big moment, and then after the break, when it's time for the draft again, he's first. Like, yeah, don't leave it hanging. Just go with that. You can do his interview later, where it's like, oh, heels using different logic, where he got taken out by somebody driving a car, and the last thing word going around was that it was Jeff Hardy. But we learned throughout that storyline that it wasn't Jeff Hardy, and it was proven it wasn't Jeff Hardy in that storyline. But the heel returns going, I'm coming to avenge, where you hit me with a car, Jeff Hardy. Uh, the reason I kind of like that, Crusoe went, but, but he didn't. I thought it was proved that. No, I, I know, I know, <laughs> was the Elias' response. Just like, no, I don't buy it. I know it was him. I'm going to get him back. It's, like, it's heel logic, just ignoring some of the facts because he wants to beat this guy up. Yeah, like, no gripes. Fine with that. Uh, Smackdown draft Sami Zayn, a very late draft for the Intercontinental Champion. It's a, yeah. Just, uh, there was apparently a Vince McMahon quote uh, from uh, Chris Jericho uh, saying that he could feud with whoever was Intercontinental Champion. It was Chris Jericho proposing a storyline, and Vince was like, oh, it was like, oh, I could, I could uh, go against this guy who's Inter Intercontinental Champion, and I could try and become whatever number it was, and that can be the storyline that I'm trying to become, I'm trying to reach this number of title reigns. And Vince's reply was, who cares about the IC title? <laughs> who cares about the Intercontinental Championship? Uh, and that was the end of that. Nobody cares about that. So, ah, seen here, drafted in the fourth round. <laughs> Sami Zayn, he's got two of them. He's got two Intercontinental Champions. <laughs> Is that not worth anything more? Uh, he comes with two titles. Uh, but yeah, so he's on SmackDown again. I like the idea of people moving on to wrestle Sami Zayn, because again, Jeff Hardy and Adrian Styles have gone, so he's going to have to have a new competitor. You've moved over the Mysterios. You've moved over Kevin Owens and Alistair Black. Why not? There's a lot that could click there. Uh, so Raw has Lacey Evans come on over. Uh, she was in the final two for the Battle Royal. So elevating without going full-on push, uh, which that's the that's the way that I'm a fan of. Like, if you've got somebody that you really, really want to make a massive star, you don't doing the Brock Lesnar push most times doesn't work because you feel a bit over the top. Over they become a bit not overbearing but over present, and uh, I feel like if you want to. Do something with Lacey Evans. Yeah, gradual. Have her succeed in on, on occasions and make her feel like a, a strong competitor before just going, play a championship match like they've done with Zelina Vega, like they've done with Lana. Yeah. But Lana and none of those feel like legit competitors and neither were presented as legit competitors, which means Asuka's reign doesn't feel super strong. She's facing nothing challenges. Uh, anyway, uh, SmackDown drafted Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura and Raw drafted Sheamus. Just... Yeah, tag teams are needed on SmackDown, so I guess keep them there, even though like, this block was full of strong... Like, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, Sheamus, like, Artist Collective, really far down in this draft, but all, like, solid wrestlers which will flesh out the mid-card. So, yeah, for both shows, Sheamus to Raw, I feel like it's a good one for the middle of that show, and uh, Cesaro, Nakamura, they need tag teams for the Street Profits to face, and I feel like those two versus Street Profits could put on some damn strong matches. Uh, round five from the SmackDown show. So this was the last one for SmackDown. There was five rounds on SmackDown and there were six on Monday Night Raw. 
So this will be the last one here. Humberto Carrillo to Raw, Murphy to SmackDown, Tucker to Raw, Kalisto to SmackDown, Drew Gulak to Raw. Uh, that's a pretty weak. <laughs> but uh, Humberto Carrillo, again, you could put him lower lower mid-card, I guess, in a way, and gets the odd win. Quite exciting. And I guess nice to see that he's no longer going to be just the lackey for Rey Mysterio, who would join in the fight but never get any recognition. <laughs> so drafting, keeping him on more whilst that storyline moves away means he can't just put him with them. Like, he has to stand on his own two feet. Like he was before. He's doing a half-decent job. Uh, Tucker to Raw, splitting up heavy machinery. Pretty much what it is, I fear, for his relevance. Even if he was drafted on the show, I, feel, I still feel a bit of hesitation that they're actually going to do anything with him. And Raw also draft, drafted Drew Gulak because 24-7 championship, got to keep that. Also... With Drew Gulak and I guess Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. These are recent draftees to Monday Night Raw. Because they were said, yeah, we were traded over. So technically, were they not early draftees? Or are they immediately thrown into the pool even though they've been on the show for like a week or so? And then they stay on that show because they've only just been <laughs> traded over. Again, plan things out. Just have a bit of patience. <laughs> they brought over Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose a couple of weeks or a few weeks before the draft. Just wait a few weeks. It's fine. <laughs> you weren't featuring them anyway. Uh, yeah, final rounds are often a bit weak. And we saw that especially on Monday, like Raw's draft, with uh, round five, Nikki Cross. I guess that continues her storyline with Alexa Bliss. Is she set to face Bailey? Am I being stupid? Have I... No, because it's Bailey versus Sasha Banks. I'm a numpty. They've already done that match. I watched it. <laughs> or it didn't happen because somebody caught COVID. Well, that's a shout. Anyway, next up, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode get drafted. And this was the draft right before the tag match. Where it's just like... And like, when Roode and Ziggler got drafted, uh, Steph said, will they be champions? It's Roode and Ziggler. And immediately I'm just like, wait, why draft them this round? Like, right, Because they're surely not winning this. Like, at the risk of the title switch making even less sense. <laughs> that, like, surely they're not going to win. <laughs> so you just you're like yeah, uh, and that's exactly what happened, and it was a decent match. But I just, yeah, you know you're waiting for the result, so um, it's difficult to buy any of the false falls just because yeah, you know where it's going. You know because they foreshadowed shadowed it. They told you how the match was going by doing Dolph Ziggler Robert Roode's draft before this. Uh, more than drafted our truth again twenty four seven. Apollo Cruz went to SmackDown, and uh, like. Yes, this was like, coming to fruition what Ricochet had said. Like, they decided earlier in the night and then they put that into Ricochet's speech so it doesn't come totally out of nowhere. And uh, But the draft continues to help make sure WWE can't continue booking the same matches over and over again. And Cruz versus the Hurt Business comes to an end. It's now Ricochet <laughs> versus the Hurt Business. <laughs> it will never, ever end. Uh, but, like, they can't do Street Profits versus Garza and Andrade anymore. Thank God for that. <laughs> That's all. But Kevin Owens, Alistair Black, and Seth Rollins versus Mysterios oh, can continue. But hopefully move on to something else. That That's the hope. And the final pick for round five on Monday Night Raw was Damakato, a Raw Underground graduate. And also this was the third week in a fourth week in a row. I think it's third week without any Raw Underground. I was never a fan. I was counting... I was, I was impressed it lasted as long as it did because it seemed like a sudden ratings are falling, let's do a thing, which was which was 2019, like every two weeks or every three weeks because it was something happened and my thing was, will this exist in two weeks? 
or will this be a thing in two to four weeks? And the answer was normally, nope, let's throw the next thing at the wall. Uh, that's what War Underground felt like. And But my biggest gripe was that it completely disrupted the flow of the show. Cutting away, you can build momentum to the main event, but if you're constantly interjecting through these short one-minute bits, then you're constantly disrupting the flow. And it's just cutting away and it extends the amount of segments on the show as well, so it makes it feel more bloated, feel, makes it feel longer than it is, because more things have happened. And when you have a show where so much happens, you start to feel tired. Uh, and that was my main worry. But yeah. Anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah. So a raw underground graduate, at least that's happened. It's given us Dabakato to fight the big lads in Keith Lee and Von Strowman. Assumably. They'll have a mini big lad division. That's <laughs> what they go with that. Uh, and we also got it. Uh, Keith Lee versus Von Strowman was announced officially shortly after as well. So yeah, good for them. And the final round of the draft, letting him go to sleep. The sixth and final, or eleventh and final, Raw draft Titus O'Neil. Smackdown draft, uh, draft Carmella and her new gimmick. Raw draft Peyton Royce. And Smackdown draft Alistair Black, another storyline drafted. And Raw draft Akira Tozawa. I've just read well, Nikki Cross. I was going to double check. Is there a draft on Raw? Without any women in it, just so I can have a look. Yes, the second one, Strowman, Brian, Riddle, Owens, Hardy. Okay. So there are two rounds without any... I was trying to figure out why they drafted Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke separately. <laughs> That's what I was trying to figure out. And I'm still not entirely sure. <laughs> but they needed to pad it out on the night. But yeah, in the final round of the draft, Raw got Titus O'Neil, Peyton Royce and Akira Tozawa. What a weak <laughs> round. Titus O'Neil was not featured in ages. Akira Tozawa is a comedy character 24-7 title scene. Peyton Royce had a split with Billy Kay. Seemingly he might be onto something with a decent showing against Asuka like they were teasing stuff for the future. Not been featured since. Was in this battle royal, got eliminated during the break. <laughs> like, oh dear, what happened? Um, yeah, not a super strong showing. But uh, it's, it's like they didn't have anyone else to draft, so they just picked people that are currently on the show and just fleshed it out that way. Well, the big one left was Alistair Black, and he's SmackDown's last, last pick. Where the, the whole storyline with Carmella last time was that she was on the initial night, was she was the last. Oh no, she was last overall because that was on a, a, like even on a Talking Smack thing she was finally announced. I think. I think I don't know if that's true or not. Anyway, no, it was on the show, wasn't it? She was the last pick. But yeah, so Alistair Black is SmackDown's last pick. They're not going to flow with it. <laughs> but yeah. Very weak kind of final round, but that's kind of what happens. They do the big hitters first. It's one of those where, in terms of keeping the show interesting, you want to have a heavy hitter in every round. But in terms of logic, you wouldn't do that because you'd have... It's wrestling. I don't need real-world logic. I'm perfectly fine for you to space it out and keep every round interesting. Like, save your big hitters for last. And that's the big downside of this version of the draft. Like the other one, but I was talking about where he would get the tumbler and someone would get drafted. You start off big, you kind of die down a bit in the middle, or you do storyline drafts in the middle, or you split people up. They, they count the storyline drafts. Or, and then right at the end, you can do another big one, so you end on a big draft right at the end. Here your draft ends on a dabs, a damps, <laughs> a damp nothing. <laughs> Just, yeah. Titus O'Neil, Peyton Royce, Akira Tozawa, Carmella, Alistair Black. It's not really hitting a lot. They're not big. None of those are big players, and it ends a bit there. Uh, so it doesn't build throughout the show. It flattens. You get less interested in it because the, they picks mean less and less. <laughs> uh, yeah. But 
did it make sense this year? Mostly. The tag team title thing made no se- <laughs> makes no sense, but you know why they're doing it. Because I feel like that is a common thing. Like we all know why they've done the switch. It just doesn't make any in-world sense. Or <laughs> following the lineage sense. You just, well, why do they matter if you could just swap them? But like, where's the prestige in that? <laughs> and, um, and again, uh, drafting over whole storylines happened as well. SmackDown got quite a few new heavy hitters. Like, I don't know whether to call Kevin Owens a big heavy hitter. Uh, but Seth Rollins is like a massive one given he was a raw guy the entire time. Getting Rey Mysterio as well with Dominic. As long as he moves on, that's also quite a big one. And Big E is a single star. Finally, that can happen. That's also quite awesome to see. But yeah, and Monday Night Raw got some good challenges for Drew McIntyre. So it shook things up a bit. But you feel it like the raw, the tag team scene is still the easily the worst in terms of depth of feel, depth of feel, in terms of the depth in there. And, like, they've got factions on Raw. Like, suddenly, you add Retribution, you add the Hurt Business. Suddenly, you've got two more teams injected, and there's actually something about it now. Uh, and apparently, there was a Mustafa Ali segment scheduled for Raw that got cut, either during the broadcast or right before. Because they were promoting it right at the start of the show, and then nothing. Ali puts out a mysterious tweet. Uh, so, assuming that would just be on Raw next week. But, with the draft, sometimes that happens. Anyway, it was... It's a decent draft. I wouldn't call it remarkable or anything. And for me, one of the biggest cons is the presentation. Just having Stephanie come out there and announce them. And it's in five blocks. You start with your heaviest hitters, like who like drafting the biggest names. And then you end with, obviously, further down you go, the less and less big the names are. And you realise by the end, when you're drafting Akira Tozawa, <laughs> like, ah, yeah, we're drafting the comedy segments now. So hopefully we this show ends at some point. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's splitting it into two nights as well. If you did it in one night, you'd get the heavy hitters just jam-packed into, the, into like, all of these picks. Like, the lowest you'd get, I guess, is Miz and Morrison or Dominic Mysterio, Ricochet, is your, in your final rounds, compared to Akira Tozawa, Titus O'Neil. Just a case of point. When you split it over two shows, your picks start to feel a little bit less important and big in your final dra- uh, draft rounds. But you get to stretch the excitement over two shows, and hopefully get people to tune in for two shows. That's that's their hope anyway. Yeah. So, did it make sense? Kind of. Mostly. You see why they do it, even though it doesn't in world make sense. It, uh, did it shake things up? Again, mostly. It gave title holders new competitors that they d- desperately needed, but they did draft over a lot of storylines as well. Uh, which show won? So I've seen, in terms of trying to grab a consensus or figure something out, uh, who which show was the better one? I have seen, oh, Raw's got no main event, guys. Oh, SmackDown's got no main event. And I've seen a, uh, on both sides. <laughs> Just really strong opinions saying, oh, their, their division's, uh, this division's crap. No, it's nothing. But and then I see somebody say the same for the other one, that the, the other one's better, uh, or the other one's worse. <laughs> so I haven't really reached a consensus. It seems both shows have pros and cons. Which, for the internet, is the worst <laughs> thing to fall on. Like, no, it's the internet. you got to fall on one side. you have this one or that one. No. <laughs> they both, I'm in the middle. Again, my, my, my political world kind of falls into my normal life where four different parties and four different elections, I am the definition of a swing vote. <laughs> I will go, I can go anywhere. It's, it's difficult to predict. I, become, I get closer and closer to an abstainers and become more and more disillusioned. <laughs> I don't know if America has an abstain vote because you have to 
tangent <laughs> tangent putting onto how you sign up for uh, to vote in America and I'm like but you have to put who you're voting for that's information that could be massively tampered with and seemingly is surely like over here you can't put that you don't put that because it could it's data that could be tampered with if in the wrong hands and just look at again that, that's exactly why we don't put that information in it's like case and example <laughs> anyway that's a tangent but yeah, that was coming into my real life. Oh, which side do you fall on? Do you have a strong opinion for one show over the other? Eh, no, <laughs> not really. Uh, well, I mean, like my biggest weight right now is who is the MVP of the G1 Climax? It's Jay White. <laughs> it's, it's been the J1, easily. I was going to ask a load of people, uh, try and get a consensus on that. Like, what is, who's that? That's the thing I care more about right now. G1 Climax, it's the final week. I guess that's time for me to kind of drift over as I ramble on about stuff. I've tried to sum up the draft like overall kind of made sense some things really didn't make sense when you think about it but you know why they're doing it and like long term like what not long term but like what's the step they're doing this to then get to yeah uh, like by long term I mean like Friday <laughs> what do we want to do on Friday what do we want to do with this character uh, not like, what's his long term storyline like no what what's our hope for this character how do we set them on that path and yeah, that's that. Mostly made sense. I'm not a massive fan of the presentation. Uh, it's not a massive amount of excitement past the first hour. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to this. Thank you for watching me on the internet. I will be back n on Thursday for the NXT review. If they got a show coming up, that's next week, isn't it? Or the week after. And they've got their take... Uh, watch them, but No, they've got the Halloween thing. <laughs> Halloween Havoc. They've got that coming up, so... Uh, hopefully they'll be building that to make it all exciting. Uh, so I'll be back on Thursday to talk about that. And uh, please do subscribe, like, five star, whatever, or whatever you're listening to. It really does help us out. I will be back on Thursday. Follow me on Twitter, at the damn Implicat. Uh, my column with Sir Sam on the G1 Climax. We're doing things a little bit differently this week, where our review on the G1 for week four, let's <laughs> try to get that right, will be going up tomorrow, rather than the normal Friday, so you can get all our stuff on that. And... Uh, we'll be posting another post-tournament column on, I think, Monday after the tournament finishes on Sunday with the amazing three-day stretch of the finals of the A block, finals of the B block, and the final match itself. Uh, an incredible stretch of easily some of the best wrestling in the entire year, all jam-packed onto three days. Uh, it's when I get the most excited for New Japan. It's this area and Wrestle Kingdom, but oh, the, I love the final three days of the G1. It's what it's all been building to. <laughs> just when you start to feel the G1 fatigue you're like oh it's a, a lot of wrestling I'm having to watch quite a lot of stuff I'm wanting to do other things now it's been about a month <laughs> and then yeah and then you see the final on the horizon and you get super excited for it so yeah anyway oh so you can read me in Conoform tomorrow I'll plug it on my Twitter and whatnot. and uh, with that I say thank you for watching and listening and I bid you adieu adios Ten.